You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theparkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rique, your host of the show, being joined as always by the publisher of the Barkboard, Jackson Moore. And Jackson, you had a nice little trip there down to Carson, uh, California to cover the San Diego State game. And it uh, it came out with an outcome you were hoping to see, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, it, was, um, it was a unique trip, of course, but the only game I anticipate Fresno State and San Diego State will play there anytime soon. <laughs> San Diego State Stadium going up, but uh, it was a nice quick drive compared to San Diego, and it's always better when the, the Bulldogs perform as we kind of project they will throughout the week. And that was a game that featured two teams that were uh, perceived to be pretty fairly evenly matched, and the Bulldogs really took control early and, and held on there through the end. And it was uh, along the lines of what you would hope to see as a, a red waiver. So, and the, the fans showed out pretty well. It was almost a 50-50 split with, between the two sections. And, of course, Fresno State's side had a whole lot more to cheer about. So it was just a, an all-around a good day for the Bulldogs down there in Carson. Now, was it really a 50-50 split? Because on television, it kind of looked the... It kind of looked a little sparse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the um, the crowd in its entirety was only uh, 11,000 of the 27,000-seat stadium. So it was not very full, of course. But um, the Bulldogs did have a pretty solid amount on, on their side. And, you know, it, it looked about the same. Uh, but San Diego State side did have a second deck that had some more fans in it. So I think they probably had... I mean, a, a 55-45 or a 60-40 kind of advantage, but uh, definitely you wouldn't have, have noticed by the way that it uh, sounded, <laughs> all the Fresno State chants and uh, everything else that was going on in that game. No, it just it looked like uh, there was literally no one in the stadium from the, the, the television <laughs> angles. Um, but, it, you know, every now and then you could hear the Bulldog chants in the background. So uh, it's nice to know that the Bulldogs are still, uh, Bulldog faithful are still traveling with the team, um, especially when it's down, when when they head to uh, anywhere in California, usually uh, the Bulldog faithful travel uh, as this one was being in Carson because of San Diego not having their own stadium, which will be ready by next year according to what I've heard right Jackson they they should be back in their back in their own stadium next season and ready to kind of uh kick things off and and finally having a place to call their own yeah that's the plan they had uh, some graphics on the scoreboard over there throughout the game advertising that and um if there's some sort of delay I'm sure it'll be done by uh, 2023 at the very latest when Fresno State will go back so I Pretty sure this will be a one and done for Fresno State and Carson. It's a, a pretty neat experience and a, a nice little stadium down there. Um, but it'll be better to get back to a, a normal Fresno State, San Diego State type of game uh, next time around. Yeah, especially with the type of season the San Diego State is having this year, uh, not being able to be near their own fan base um, is is kind of uh, it just it kind of sucks the soul out of you, right, Jackson? <laughs> not being able to play in front of your own home crowd because you don't have a stadium or a place to call home. So I, I think things for for them are going to start to look up. However, in this game against the Bulldogs. 
things were looking up for Fresno State, uh, really coming out strong uh, early on in the game and really taking control from the onset, right, Jackson? It looked like the Bulldogs took control and pretty much never gave it away. Yeah, I mean, they started out so hot going out to a, a 20 to 0 lead and really, first of all, getting two touchdowns and going up 14 0. I mean, it was just, it felt like it was, you know, one play away from being a blowout that San Diego State wasn't going to be able to come back from. And, you know, unfortunately, the Bulldogs couldn't quite get that last blow they needed for a while, not until kind of late there in the fourth quarter where Jordan Mims scores his second touchdown and then it's a 30 to 13 game. And it's, you know, there's no chance they're going to come back from that. But uh, it did get a little nerve wracking there for a little bit when, uh, I mean, San Diego State pretty much had to change its entire offense and defense. And um, it was kind of tough for the Bulldogs to adjust to because, I mean, they, the Bulldogs had come out with a game plan that was just totally designed to stop San Diego State's run. And they dominated for a few drives. And then San Diego State dropped in the shotgun and spread it out and started throwing the ball around. And it's normally a team that doesn't pass very well, but uh, started to move the ball that way with the. Uh, with catching the Bulldogs off guard a little bit. And then on the other side of the ball, they really all bought in to stop Fresno State's running game. And you had a, a passing attack that wasn't quite as explosive as it has been. And the Bulldogs took a lot of shots, whether it was to you know, actually try to win some of those one-on-one battles or just stretch the defense to open up things for the running game. But ultimately, the Bulldogs had about 500 yards of offense. Um, Jordan Mims runs for... 180 plus in the career high. Hainer still has 300. So there were some times of uh, struggles throughout the game, but overall it was a really solid 60-minute uh, performance, probably about the, the one of the better full games Fresno State's played throughout this season. Yeah, it definitely looked like the the Bulldogs were were pretty much hitting on all cylinders on every aspect of the game, uh, not only offense and defense, but special teams uh, did their thing as well. Uh, you know, the place kicker uh, he was he was on fire and hitting a long field goal. Uh, Caesar Silva, uh, he was looking pretty dang good. Hit one off the upright. Uh, what's your overall assessment? You think he's uh, he's finally a hundred percent now? Yeah, you know, um, he was solid on field goals. He was three for four, and the only one he missed, I mean, barely hit off the goalpost and, and dinked off there, or else that would have been four for four. But, you know, watching the kickoffs, um, the Bulldogs haven't been getting the ball as deep. I don't know if that's injury-related or just kind of fatigue-related at the end of the year. But uh, the last couple of teams have been getting more advantageous field position compared to the first couple of games where he was just, launching it into the end zone for touchback. So that's a little concerning, but more importantly, he wants those three points when he gets the opportunity to, and uh, just feels like Silva's really confident right now, both health-wise and mentally with what he's doing. Yeah, he was obviously looking very confident, uh, just kicking that ball through the uprights. It's it's been... uh, it, it's actually a good thing because I haven't seen that kind of confidence in quite some time when it comes to the place kickers for the Bulldogs, uh, but it looks like they've finally got that all sorted out. Now on offense, uh, Jake Hayner was being pretty much Jake Hayner again. Um, you know, ever since that uh, game, horrible game he had against Wyoming uh, and one where he threw a number of interceptions against Hawaii, he looks like he is back on track to the the Jake Hayner early on in the season and really being money. 
what's your overall assessment on how he did in this game compared to what he's done in the last few games? Yeah, it's kind of a different role he's had to take on the last couple of weeks where you know, he's not having to do it all, make crazy plays, and uh, letting the running game kind of lead the way a little bit more, open up the passing game with the run rather than having to force it himself. And I think they found a really good balance. And it's been, you know, it's it's tough to just sling the ball around for four quarters. But if you have a solid running game, you can definitely have those plays in spurts and spurts and not have to rely on those big passes down the final stretch like the Bulldogs did in so many games earlier in the season they've really been able to this time around kind of jump out ahead and with that running game and and play a game plan that's not just about also establishing the run early but you're also in a position where you have the lead and you can don't have to be quite as aggressive through the air so it's been um i think that's where you're seeing this offense is not turning the ball over nearly as much they've only had uh we've uh, two fumbles uh in three games no interceptions since the bye week so they're um, really doing a lot better, and it's been a, a lot more of a in-sync offense, I believe. Um, not quite the gaudy passing numbers they had at times, but I think this is a, a more of a winning style, and Hainer is uh, handling it pretty well. And, and so, and he's also stayed healthy. Um, I know he hasn't taken as many sacks the last couple of weeks as well, so big kudos to the O-line, but he has taken uh, quite a bit of hits after releasing the ball, a lot of them not flagged. So uh, that's a bit concerning, but he does seem to be holding up pretty well, and uh, they'll have to deal with that down the stretch as well. Yeah, and and watching him, it looks like uh, Hayner is is very confident once again, um, very focused, um, and and really finding his targets. Uh, which let's face it, Bulldogs have a number of them, and one of those, uh, uh, Jalen Cropper, was was setting up to have another uh, huge night until he had that uh, injury on an, uh, on a play where he fumbled the ball, and it kind of seemed like he had, had slipped and twisted his knee. Is that is that what you saw pretty much down on the field? Yeah, there was, um, you know, it looked like something happened there with the ball in his hands to where he kind of jolted and reacted and, and the fumble occurred. But then you also see him kind of go towards those advertisements and on the side of the field. And it's tough to tell if kind of the pain set in or if he had another slippage there, but he definitely fell in a different manner at that end of, uh, you know, off to the side and then was laying there grabbing his leg and his knee for quite some time, not really moving. And that was a, a scary sight to see. Um, remarkably, he, uh, I mean, about a quarter later, he's back on the sidelines trying to convince some people to let him back in the game. That was <laughs> unbelievable. I thought it was it looked like a season-ending injury <laughs> at the time that it happened. They carted him off the field, and all of a sudden he's back there. And now out of practice, I mean, he's moving around pretty well. It's looking like he may be able to play uh, Saturday. Um, I don't know if he'll be quite the same guy he's been, but it looks like he's going to be as good enough shape to at least put the pads on and uh, be involved some way. Now I got a chance to replay the the game again this morning and I was taking a look at it and uh, was able to kind of see it in, in slower motion there. Uh, and it definitely looks like the, the move you were talking about, uh, he was pulling the ball down and uh, the ball just hit off of his knee and sprung loose. And then as he was attempting to try and, and reel the ball back in, his feet gave out from underneath him and slipped and then 
looked like what might have been a hyperextension of his knee where he pretty much just sprained it. Uh, at least that's what the announcers were, were saying was a, a sprain and he would be back. And he was trying to convince people to let him back on the field. So, Jackson, you think uh, moving forward, he's probably going to be more of a limited capacity unless things improve drastically from now until Saturday, right? Yeah, you know, I would be surprised. I mean, because part of the thing that makes him so effective and explosive is just how fast he is. And, you know, they use him on the end arounds a lot and just try to get him the ball and make some plays or beat guys over the top. And those are things that are going to be tough to do if he's not 100%. Um, but that's kind of where my question is. It certainly seems like he's going to be healthy enough to suit up and, and play, but I don't know if he'll have the same kind of role that he would normally have. That's tough to imagine he would be able to do that, at least this soon. It looks like within a couple of weeks, but at least by the end of the season, he may be back to his self. But, um, but yeah, I just can't imagine he'll be quite as explosive that quick coming off of that injury. Now, one thing that's going to be helping uh, uh, the Bulldogs kind of alleviate some of that pressure is going to be the the now rejuvenated rush game for Fresno State, uh, even though Ronnie Rivers was out in this past game, uh, Jordan Mims came up huge in this game and bowling over players uh, on just about every single play. It, it seemed like when they were trying to tackle him, he was knocking them over and getting another two or three yards. Um, a lot of explosive explosiveness coming off of Mims right now, right, Jackson? Is that what you're seeing as well? Yeah, I mean, he is just playing the, about the best that we've seen him play. And, uh, I mean, really bringing a different element to this offense that it didn't have for most of the season. He's just a different kind of runner than Ronnie is. And uh, it looks like Ronnie might be back this week. So there'll be a nice uh, combination between the two that, um, you know, for most of the season, it had been the much uh, large majority of, of Ronnie and just a little bit of Jordan. But now it looks like it'll be probably more 50 50 if uh, Ronnie's at 100%. So, That'll be interesting to see, but I mean, Mims has definitely carried the load himself the last two weeks and has just really taken off. I mean, uh, really impressive the way that he's playing. And uh, the other thing that factors into it is that, you know, he hasn't played a whole lot up until this point. He's got fresh legs. He's, I mean, one of the fresher players on the field when you're talking about guys that have been playing nonstop for eight weeks or so, and you've got him that's been used a little more sparingly. So he's been I mean, he's really, really ready to go. It's a lot like uh, 2018 when Mims handled a lot of the running game for the first half of the season while Ronnie Rivers was hurt. And by the time Rivers got cleared and, and Mims suffered an injury himself, and Rivers was just totally fresh and 100% and had the big games at Boise in the snow and, and the Las Vegas Bowl. So there's, I think, some parallels there. And again, I think the O-line deserves some credit too because they have looked much different since the bye week as well. So it's been a combination of things, but uh, it doesn't happen without Mims with the ball in his hand. No, and and Mims is really uh, picking up the load, uh, helping out while uh, uh, while Rivers was out. But with Rivers coming back, this should this should actually turn into a different kind of a dynamic on this run game now because teams now instead of preparing for one running back, they need to prepare for two, and that's gonna that's gonna open up things. In my mind, that's going to open up things on offense. Do you feel the same way, Jackson? Yeah. Um, uh, it was interesting because Ronnie had the one big game at UCLA, and they just 
for whatever reason, hadn't been as effective this season uh, from week to week. And so we'll see if Jordan's the way that he's playing is going to open up things for Ronnie because, I mean, Jordan handled the ball 29 times basically running between the tackles. And then imagine if you've got another guy who can go out as a receiver, can catch the screen passes, can make some more outside runs, like the things that Ronnie does, it's going to add a whole different dimension to the offense and keep the opposing defense on their toes a little bit. But, I mean, if you can run between the tackles and they can't stop you, you might as well do it (laughs) until they prove that they can. So uh, hopefully they don't go away from that as well. Yeah, things uh, things look uh, a lot. The offense is a lot more potent when the run game is going, and so that'll that'll help open up things not only for uh, the run game but the pass game as well. Will will thrive even more uh, with the defenses guessing uh, what they're going to see uh, on uh, you know against them on offense. Uh, but on the flip side of things, uh, you know, even though Fresno State Bulldogs' offense was was clicking. So was the defense. They were able to pretty much control the first half of this game um, without question and and really slowing down uh, San Diego State's run game until they finally started to kind of figure things out and started passing a little bit more. Is is this going to be more of the same of what kind of approach that the Bulldogs are, are going to take moving forward? Because it looked like it was it was moving on all cylinders today or this last week. Yeah, um, yeah, it's really, they've had to adjust pretty dramatically week to week their game plan based off of the opposing offenses they've seen. I mean, they really handled their own against Wyoming um, for most of the game against Nevada. You know, you go from a power running team in Wyoming to an air raid with an NFL-type quarterback against Nevada. And uh, they, I mean, for the most part, were able to limit the Wolf Pack and kind of bend but not break. They, they put up some pretty gaudy numbers by the end of the game, but um, uh, outside of that last uh, flurry there in Nevada, it felt like Fresno State was in control pretty much the, the whole game. Uh, and then this one, you've got another run-heavy team where the Bulldogs really, I mean, more than ever this season, dedicated themselves to stopping the run where they had three defensive tackles in the game rather than their normal two, which basically turns their defensive ends into outside linebackers and it's pretty much a 3-4 defense <laughs> the way it was set up, which is not what Fresno State typically runs. And uh, they shut down San Diego State's running game the first couple of drives, and that's all it took to build a pretty big lead. And when you're down 20-0, to zero, you can't really keep running the ball the way that you normally can. So uh, it really made the aspect a bit uncomfortable. But surprisingly, they, they kind of got some things going in the past. Fresno State um, didn't quite adjust uh, immediately as far as defending the pass goes. They were still kind of keying in on the run to make sure that didn't get underway. and really asked San Diego State to beat them with the pass. And uh, they did have some successful drives, but uh, ultimately it's not nearly enough to um, get within striking distance in this one. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's nice to see when the the Bulldogs, like you mentioned early on in the in the podcast, the Bulldogs having a complete game on all aspects of uh, of of the field. And it just seemed like, the Bulldogs came in that in this one with a purpose and they were trying to, to make a point that they, they really deserve a shot at the mountain West uh, title. And they knew that they had to go through the Aztecs and they came up and, and did it. Um, now 
it doesn't mean that this is going to get any easier moving forward during the season, um, especially as they head back home now uh, to take on a Boise State that is really not the same Boise State that we're accustomed to seeing. However, they seem to to have Fresno State's number usually, right, Jackson? So you, you can pretty much throw the records out the window on this one. This is going to be an all-out battle, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, Coach DeBoer said it as well. They're, they're not even thinking about the records with this one. They know what Boise State is capable of. And it's a, an odd matchup just because I mean, the Bulldogs and Broncos played four times in like 13 months a couple of years back and haven't played since. You've got a lot of players on this team that were on those championship competing teams back then. And you've got a whole lot of players that have not played Boise State at all. I mean, even a super senior like Carrick Wheatfall, who was a junior college transfer, uh, hasn't played Boise State in, in his final season yet here, uh, which, of course, he will on Saturday. And you've got a lot of young players involved in this uh, too deep that don't really know the rivalry too well. So there's a, a wide range of uh, players uh, in their experience with this rivalry. But um, Boise State brings some different challenges just because uh, the Bulldogs have faced now in the last couple of weeks two run-heavy teams and a pass-heavy team, and uh, Boise State is going to have some more balance. They, they've they actually not been very good on the run or, or defending the run statistically this season, but they do feel like they're going to see more of a balanced attack than has been presented uh, for the last several weeks. So it's going to be a little more of a, a challenge as far as not being able to just take away one thing and trying to stop the other. It's going to be a team that can run or pass on any given down. Um, they've got a running back that's returning to the, or he came back last week, but potentially going to be a, a more potent running game than the statistics show for the Broncos. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a team that, I mean, they're kind of schizophrenic this year. They've got a four and four record. They've got uh, some impressive showings where they beat number 10 BYU on the road. They, totally dominated Utah State, who's leading the Mountain Division in the standings, 27-3 to on the road. Um, they beat a UTEP team that doesn't sound impressive, but that team is 6-2. and two. And, of course, they came back to beat Colorado State last weekend and showed they have some resiliency there after falling into a hole. And then even the losses. I mean, they lost to Oklahoma State by one. They probably should have won at UCF, let that one get away from them in the opener. Uh, they've got a loss to um, force by seven, and um, you know they've kind of hiccuped at home, which is uh, probably the most unusual thing about Boise State. You think about that blue turf, and they always seem to win at home, but they've uh, lost three in a row at, at home this season, including the uh, Oklahoma State Air Force, and then the Nevada game they lost by ten. So. Uh, of course, this one's at Fresno State, and Boise State's actually been better on the road this season. But it's a team where if they bring their A game for four quarters, they're going to be uh, as challenging as it gets in the Mountain West. Uh, if they are more inconsistent and they only give two or three quarters about the way that they played most of the season, then uh, it should be a game that Fresno State handles without a whole lot of stress. But we'll see. I think, um, you know, considering Bulldog Stadium is nearing a sellout and uh, it should be a, a crazy atmosphere that hasn't been in the uh, Bulldog Stadium since 2014 as far as the sellout goes. I think there's a, a really good setup for Fresno State to control this one and uh, have kind of a, a celebratory victory here against a rival that 
as um, of course the the winds have been a little more rare than you would like to see. Uh, Bulldogs have been better at home, and there just hasn't been as many home games <laughs> against this Boise State team. Five of the last six have been on the road because of the conference championship matchup. So this is a one that I think everyone from the team to the staff to the fans is going to really be anxious to play and, and watch, and hopefully the Bulldogs can uh, deliver. And it will be my first uh, Boise State game in, I don't know, as many years as I can remember because it seems like every time Boise came to town, I had a wedding to go to. <laughs> so no wedding this time. I'm actually going to be in the stadium against Boise State, which kind of makes me kind of a little giddy. Um, but let's talk about what you had mentioned, Fresno State selling out the, the stadium. We're, we're pretty dang close right now to having a sold-out stadium uh, here at Bulldog Stadium. Uh, I'm Last time I checked, I believe we're about maybe 4,000 tickets away, Jackson, or do you have an, an, a better update? Yeah, it sounds like as of Wednesday morning, they're around the ballpark of 39,000, maybe a little bit under there. So that would put it about 3,000 so. shy because I think the stadium's, what, 42? Yeah, so recently they um, did a little bit of um, uh, work to the stadium. I think the official capacity now is 40,727. So you're talking about, about 2,000 tickets probably left. and. They usually sell that on game day on walk-ups, so I would be shocked if they don't sell those between now and, and kickoff. Yeah, so if, if this is any indication for those of you out there listening, get to the stadium and get there early uh, because uh, when whenever the stadium is, is sold out, it, traffic is a, usually a nightmare, right, Jackson? <laughs> we both know. We've both been caught in that traffic before. Uh, but things can get a little... Uh, you know, it can slow down because there's a lot of people trying to get into that stadium. So make sure you get to the stadium early on. Um, and Jackson, let's start breaking this one down. Fresno State's uh, Fresno State's offense against this Boise State defense. How do you see this one shaking out? Yeah, but the Broncos have kind of struggled stopping the run, at least um, based off of some of the teams they've played, at least. And you look at the statistics, I mean, it's been teams that have really led with the run against the Broncos, and that's kind of the way Fresno State has trended as of late. So might be a, a good opportune time for the Bulldogs to keep rolling with the running game. And I think they're going to need to be uh, balanced again. Um, they're going to need it against Boise State. But, um, I mean, I, I think it matches up well for Jordan Mims to keep doing what he's been doing as of late and for uh, Ronnie Rivers to get involved as well. Um, last week, uh, Colorado State, actually, who's usually a running team, had to go to the pass. Uh, so that's interesting because the, the Broncos have, have not been great against the run. They really shut down the Rams between the tackles and um, made Colorado State pass the ball and, and use their running quarterback a little bit more. I think Fresno State's going to be more diverse to where you can't quite key in and you can't quite key in on this running game when you know you've got Jake Hander and the receivers to, to throw to. So you know, I think I'm not too worried about Boise State's defense. I think Fresno State's going to be able to keep doing what it's been doing. And um, it just comes down to are they going to be as explosive if uh, Cropper's not the same kind of guy he is? Um, I think they've already proven they can be really good even without Ronnie at running back. But uh, Jalen is definitely a guy that makes the offense go in terms of the end arounds and 
adding that different element to the offense that uh, I'm not sure there's a guy that would be able to replace that if uh, Cropper can't do it. Yeah, so that that's definitely going to be a kind of wait and see kind of category for Cropper to see where he lands uh, by the end of this week. Uh, hopefully, uh, things were progress and it was just a mild sprain and things get better. But uh, definitely not going to be at a hundred percent. We just all we can hope for is that he is uh, at as close to a hundred percent as possible against this Boise State team and you know he's going to want to get in there and, and pretty much run on pure adrenaline, right, Jackson? But how dangerous could that be for him? <laughs> yeah, it, it's tough to tell if it's something that could be re-aggravated. Or, or, I mean, that's the thing that ultimately kept Ronnie Rivers out of the game last weekend was they felt he could have suited up and played some snaps, but was his role going to be significant enough to risk potentially making things worse? And that's where they decided it wasn't worth it to, to put him out there and it looks like that is going to take a big step forward this week and he'll be able to go. But uh, we'll see what kind of timeline Cropper's on. If it's a similar deal where it might not be worth it to put him out there this week, but he's not that far off from playing and uh, could be back as soon as the following week. I think that's been played. But um, uh, as far as practice goes, it looks like he's going to be good enough to do that. That is good to hear. Uh, at least from one aspect, he will be there. Um, and now, whether or not uh, the capacity he'll be used, uh, we can, we'll have to wait and see. Now, Fresno State's uh, defense versus this uh, Boise State offense, uh, what, how do you see this one match up on paper uh, versus what you've been able to kind of see? Yeah, I mean, they ran the ball 49 times last week. They were uh, kind of holding on to a lead there towards the end against Colorado State. But, again, they're a team that can run the ball. They just they, they don't have a very good yards per carry clip. Um, that's been kind of their their struggle all season long. But they do have George Halani back, uh, the sophomore 5'11", 205-pounder, who has been uh, their best running back in terms of yards per carry. And he missed a few games in a row until last weekend. So. Uh, if they can get him involved, you can definitely anticipate that they're going to run the ball uh, at least relatively better than they have. But this is an offense that uh, really revolves around their quarterback, Hank Lockmeyer, who has been the starter now off and on a little bit for three years. And just because Fresno State and Boise State haven't played, of course, it's the first time the uh, Red Wave is going to see him in action against the Dogs. And, um, you know, he's been uh, a pretty solid quarterback. He's thrown 15 touchdowns to 5-6 this year, 65% completions. He's complete, uh, thrown for a little under 300 yards per game. So it's, it's an offense that's going to lean towards the passing game but, but try to remain balanced too. And, you know, he's been a guy that, you know, overall he puts up pretty solid numbers and leads the offense. But for whatever reason, that they haven't quite gotten over the hump as far as, closing out games and wins like the typical Boise State teams are. So it seems to be a little something missing in crunch time, but uh, still one of the better quarterbacks Fresno State is going to face and um, it's going to be a challenge uh, for Fresno State's defense to both account for some of the bigger backs that the Broncos utilize and then uh, a passing game that's pretty explosive uh, in the receiving unit. They've got um, Khalil Shakir, who's their go-to guy. He's the explosive weapon, kind of their version of Jalen Cropper, who can 
uh, impact the game in a whole lot of different ways. And um, he's going to bring a different dynamic that the Bulldogs haven't faced in, in several weeks, too. I'm sure they, they've seen a lot of Cropper in practice to kind of get ready for it, but uh, they haven't seen an opponent that's got a guy like him either. So that's going to be another wrinkle. So definitely a, enough on that offense to, to keep you concerned. And really the balance is going to be the biggest thing. If Boise State can stay balanced, can establish the run and use their solid passing game, it's going to keep Fresno State's defense off balance in a way that it hasn't been since the bye week, which could be a, a little worrisome. So we'll see if the Bulldogs come out and maybe try to stop the run first and make the Broncos sling the ball all the way around like Nevada did, which ultimately worked out regardless of uh, what the uh, the stats said for Carson Strong. Yeah, definitely. This is going to be what I like to call a barn burner. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of, uh, <laughs> if you, you know, if you like shootouts, this is, this has every potential to be one of those. Uh, I kind of like games where the offense is going back and forth versus having a defensive game where nobody scores up until the last second, which drives me absolutely batty. <laughs> I think Jackson <laughs> likes those games. I, I, I really don't. <laughs> right, Jackson? You kind of like defensive games. Yeah, I mean, well, I like to see good defense. I don't like to watch bad <laughs> offense. Which, <laughs> those are two different things. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, it's. I like seeing good offenses go up against good offenses. Uh, and and it's uh, it, it this could be theoretically be one of those matchups. Um, you know, just hoping that the Bulldogs have a better defense than Boise does. So <laughs> it's it's one of those that uh, that uh, is going to be a, a, a kind of a wash for. To watch a lot of scoring, you kind of have to give up a little on the other side. And I, you know, we'll see what happens. But Jackson, it, while this game in San Diego was happening, um, there was some announcements made prior to that game for some uh, Fresno State commits. And um, uh, and what's, what is going on there? I mean, I believe you said one wide receiver, one defensive back. What more can you tell us? Yeah, the Bulldogs uh, were able to seal the deal on a wide receiver commit, uh, Jalen Moss. Uh, I mean, always a, a good name for a receiver. Uh, he actually comes from Menlo uh, Atherton, which is the same high school that um, Jordan Mims comes from. Uh, it's been a little while, but the Bulldogs were able to go back to the Bay Area and, and get a guy like that. I mean, Moss is rated as President State's best commit of the class as far as the composite rankings. Uh, he's got almost a uh, 87 score there which is uh, not too far off from four-star territory. He had offers including Arizona State and Nebraska and Oregon and Oregon State at points throughout the recruiting cycle and a few others from Mountain West schools. So uh, this is a big-time get for Fresno State uh, at receiver, which is a position where the Bulldogs are loaded now but will soon need to restock with a lot of upperclassmen there. And uh, the Bulldogs now have Moss and they have Nathan Acevedo from San Diego. Uh, those two guys are very impressive receivers in this class and uh, look like the future for the Bulldogs there. And then Fresno State made a, a big move as well, getting Jamarion Briggs, who was actually committed to Fresno State once before. Uh, he had a few Pac-12 offers come in, including Arizona, Colorado, and a, a big one from UCLA that uh, had him rethink the process a little bit. He decommitted, took some visits to those Pac-12 schools and seemed to be really leaning towards UCLA, but, you know, the Bulldogs went down there and they beat the Bruins themselves and 
uh, stayed on Briggs. They didn't turn him away because he decommitted. They recruited him even harder than ever, and it, it turned to work out for Fresno State, who uh, re-sealed his commitment here over the weekend. So Briggs now back on board for Fresno State. Um, he has an 87 rating by 24-7 sports, a little bit lower than the composite, but a uh, top 70 corner, top 75 California recruit who is uh, going to be one of the Bulldogs better gets as well. So Fresno State now up to eight commits in the class, and they're up to number four in the Mountain West in the recruiting rankings, and they've got uh, definitely some scholarships to fill uh, and potentially raise those rankings up here in the uh, months that are left in the cycle. It's good to know that the Bulldogs are still um, pushing hard for recruits as we get closer and closer to signing day, which I believe is uh, not really sure on the date, but it's in December, right, Jackson? Yeah, um, it'll be... um They'll have the first signing day in December, and then they'll have the second one in February. Um, Fresno State has, um, as of late, really signed a lot on the December date and then um, kind of used their scholarships all the way up until the next season where um, they're looking for recruits in the spring and in the summer, the guys that kind of fell through the cracks or in the transfer portal that become available. So um, that's going to be one to watch for a long time, but uh, the initial signing day is going to be coming up here on December 15th, and it uh, looks like the Bulldogs are on pace to have probably between 8 to 12, maybe a little more, if uh, they can close out some more guys uh, down the stretch. But, um, yeah, we're getting close to it. Yeah, it's definitely uh, one for us to keep an eye on because they, they might be able to pick up one or two more players here from now until then. Um, and as always, nothing is guaranteed until they sign the dotted line. So, uh, you know, off until December 15th, that is when we will know more. And as usual, Jackson will probably end up doing a special podcast on that day, uh, as far as recruiting is concerned. So, uh, that's, that's what I'm planning on. However, what do you think, Jackson, we dedicate one to, to the signing day. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, I think the Mountain West Championship is, what, December uh, 4th, I think, this year. So, yep. And so signing day is about 11 days after that. So uh, hopefully uh, it'll be pitted right in between a uh, <laughs> post-championship <laughs> podcast and uh, before a bowl game. And it'll fit perfectly right in there. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll wedge that one right in the middle there and, and, and make sure that we give you all the coverage you want. Uh, typically... Our recruiting podcasts are usually the highest rated ones where we have the most downloads. So uh, just be be prepared for that as we uh, gather all the information and break that down for you on uh, signing day. Now, Jackson, uh, switching gears, taking a look at the Mountain West and where the Bulldogs are kind of shaking out to see where they fall in line here. Uh, right now, control their own destiny, not only uh, in the West Division, but also hosting a uh, uh, championship game because of the latest released uh, playoff poll ratings, right, Jackson? The Bulldogs come in at, what, number 23? Yeah, the Bulldogs are number 23, which um, puts them in the driver's seat to host the Mountain West Championship. That's the, the first tiebreaker there if... Um, the West Division team champion and the Mountain Division champion don't have a head-to-head result. And 
as of right now, that's Utah State, who's not on Fresno State schedule. So college football playoff rankings put Fresno State in the driver's seat uh, to host there. And um, uh, it also, I mean, doesn't put the Bulldogs too far off from a New Year's Six Bowl game. It's kind of a long shot, but uh, Cincinnati is ranked number six in that poll, despite being number two. And the other polls, it's a bit of a disheartening result for the group of five to see kind of a disrespect there. But ultimately, it's the top-ranked conference champion from the group of five. And if something happens where Cincinnati slips in its conference championship game and Fresno State wins out, they would be the team to get that big bowl game. So, uh, again, it's kind of hard to scoreboard watch at this time of the year, but if Fresno State wins out and gets in the Mountain West Championship game, there could be some big-time implications on the championship day. It's, it's going to be kind of hard not to scoreboard watch now uh, from now until the end of the season for the <laughs> Bulldogs uh, because a lot of things have to happen. Um, and uh, basically, right now, you just – you hope for a Cincinnati lost, uh, a Cincinnati loss from now until then, and Fresno State to win out. So that is very well a possibility for the Bulldogs. We just got to make sure uh, the cards fall into place for them. Uh, now, as far as what the schedule looks like this week, you know you got Fresno State against Boise, another key matchup: San Diego State uh, traveling to Hawaii. Can Hawaii pull off another upset against San Diego after seeing what we saw uh, this week? Yeah, I think it's going to be tough. I mean, Hawaii's not had a whole lot of success since that game against Fresno State. Um, But, again, you go to the islands and you have a team that can put up points in in flurries. And, you know, it's a tough place to play, of course, and a tough place to travel to. And, they're going to be at 100% capacity for the first time, so it's not going to be a, still a big crowd due to their stadium limitations, but it is going to be full, most likely, and about 10,000 fans strong that are uh, real anxious to see them play. So uh, it is possible that some weird things can happen there, and it's just uh, a San Diego State team that doesn't put up a lot of points or a lot of offense. So if Hawaii can, can kind of get on a, a rally, it's going to be tough for the Aztecs to respond, but Top to bottom, I mean, San Diego State's the better team, and usually over four quarters, it, it shows itself unless you have some sort of collapse like the Bulldogs had uh, when they were there. Yeah, and, and uh, of course, this is going to be one of those where you'll definitely want to see how that one shakes out because if Hawaii was able to knock off San Diego, that helps uh, Fresno State's cause. Another key matchup, San Jose State uh, traveling to Reno to take on Nevada, do the Spartans have enough to take on the Wolfpack? Yeah, you know, San Jose State beat Nevada by 10 last season. Of course, they beat everyone last season. They went undefeated in conference play, and they're, they're not quite what they were a year ago. But um, definitely you can point to that game last season as a reason for the Wolfpack to be concerned. Both teams have most of the same players from that game, and it will be interesting to see. It, it sounds like San Jose State quarterback Nick Starkle is getting close to being able to return, and they should be a little bit of a, a different team once that happens. And it, if it's this week, that's trouble for Nevada. But um, you know, San Jose State also has back-to-back wins, so they're playing a bit better as of late. And uh, this is a chance to kind of uh, prove themselves. They're also at 5-4, and four, and they've got Nevada, Utah State, Fresno State coming up to finish the season. So they are really going to need 
at least one of those games to go their way. They get bowl eligible. They might need two uh, to really secure a bowl game. They've been left out before at six and six. So a lot of motivation and a positive mo- um, momentum working for the Spartans here. Yeah, and uh, that uh, that would also work in Fresno State's favor if they can pull that one off. Uh, but out of all the other games, you see Utah State taking on New Mexico State. That one should be a no-brainer where Utah should be able to take that one uh, and further solidifying their position in the Mountain Division. And then, of course, the always fun-to-watch Air Force versus Army game, uh, if you like <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> well you excited about that one jackson <laughs> i mean they're, they're fun to watch the service academies compete but it would be a little more fun if uh it was a, a kind of a different style competed <laughs> in. but you know that's what makes college football so great is that you've got so many teams and so many styles and it's fun to see different styles or Sometimes you've got two unusual styles that are similar class. So, uh, especially in the Mountain West, where you've kind of got the whole spectrum, it's a, it's a pretty neat deal. So we'll see uh, how that one looks. Yeah, I knew you'd like that one. <laughs> but uh, but as far as that, there's also Colorado State taking on Wyoming. Um, then I believe that is well. Then then not to be left out, UNLV and New Mexico. Uh, UNLV still <laughs> looking for that win, have an opportunity against a New Mexico team who is also three and five. Uh, you think they got a shot there, Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> I think UNLV might be the better team there, but um, uh, after the many good games by the Rebels, I felt just short. They got walloped pretty good by Nevada last week, and. New Mexico is coming off of a win, I believe. So uh, the momentum in the wrong direction for the Rebels there to, to get over the hump. Definitely, it's definitely going to be a week, and like we, uh, like I said, kind of hard not to scoreboard watch. You're gonna have to be invested to see in the rest of the Mountain West to see what shakes out for the Bulldogs. Uh, you know, I'd like to see another home game here uh, in Fresno. That would be awesome uh, and have home field advantage for that for that uh, championship game. Uh, not only that, but also bolstering their opportunity to take to do a New Year's Eve bowl game, which uh, the Bulldogs have yet to to show up at and have come close, but no cigar. So um, I don't know, Jackson. Fresno State has a good opportunity. Do you see things maybe shaking out if they're able to go uh, undefeated? Um, I mean, it, it could happen. I mean, you really, the one thing that needs to happen for the Bulldogs to um, get that big bowl game is for Cincinnati to not win a conference championship, whether that's um, being left out by a regular season loss or by, of course, losing the championship game itself. And it's, it's a little bit surprising because in the eight people where Fresno State's number 25, there are um, five group of five schools that ranked ahead of the Bulldogs, and the College Football Playoff Committee thought otherwise. They put the Bulldogs ahead of all of them, except for, of course, Cincinnati. So, I mean, the Bulldogs are uh, a long way from Cincinnati, but it's, I mean, not out of possibility at all for um, that one loss to, to kind of hurt the Bearcats and, and give Fresno State and a lane to get that game because it does come down to the top ranked champion, not the top ranked top ranked group of five team because 
I think Cincinnati could lose one, two, uh, probably two games without falling behind Fresno State. But if they don't win their championship, then they're out of the uh, running for it. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be very very interesting to keep an eye on uh, to see how things shake out this year. I'm kind of excited. It's it's been been one of the, been a long past year of of really nothing, and then to kind of take off this year where the Bulldogs are just doing very successful. Um, it should uh, should make things interesting and make up for last year, right, Jackson? It last year was kind of kind of sad (laughs) but with that being said uh any final thoughts jackson on uh anything related with the bark board yeah it's also um you know we'll probably run this uh, wednesday night thursday morning so i I don't want to talk too much basketball just because the first scrimmage or uh, not scrimmage the first exhibition is tonight wednesday night so um, it might be uh, <laughs> not might be up to date uh, some of the discussion we have, but uh, definitely next week before the actual season tips off, we'll be able to, to talk about that a little bit more, and um, we'll see how they look. And it'll be the first game for fans to be in the Safe Mart Center since 2019-2020. Uh, so uh, it should be a, a nice day at the Safe Mart Center, and uh, we'll get a somewhat of an idea of what this team looks like before they tip off the season for real. Yeah, basketball season right around the corner, um, and eventually we will switch gears to basketball. Uh, but for now, our our main focus is Fresno State football. Um, once once that torch is, is being passed, Jackson and I will switch gears and move on to basketball <laughs> season and and do what we can to try and uh, and give you the 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 basketball fix you need for you junkies out there. Um, but that being said, if you're looking for Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. If you haven't done so already, head over to Facebook and find our page. Red, uh, look for thebarkboard.com and uh, give it a like. We've got a big community there already and growing. And so be sure you are a part of that as well. And as always, head over to thebarkboard.com. Uh, get your premium subscription and be a part of our our boards there we've got a free and a premium board the premium board of course is the one you want to be on that's where all the latest news and updates are being posted first and uh, if you want to look like a pure genius amongst your uh, pals Fresno State fan pals uh, being a part of that premium subscription will really go a long way because it'll make you look like a genius So with that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.